This is the Game Misconduct Podcast with Don LaGreca. Hey, everybody. It's Don LaGreca with the Wednesday edition of Game Misconduct. While the Rangers made it official, David Quinn relieved of his duties at head coach of the Rangers. Can't say it's that big of a surprise when you consider the fact that major changes were made. Chris Drury told us on the Michael K. Show that he was going to evaluate the job of Quinn, that he was a big Quinn fan. But let's face it, you know, Jim Dolan is in charge here, and rightly so is the owner of the team, and you've got to get everything approved. And I really thought it was going to be a Hail Mary for Quinn to be able to survive after J.D. and Gorton were let go. And now we can begin the speculation of who the next Rangers head coach would be. For me, no real speculation. I would be floored if it wasn't John Tortorella. Everything seems to be pointing in that direction, right? Jim Dolan had a relationship and a good relationship with John Tortorella, and that's very, very important. Tortorella was a free agent as he was let go by the Columbus Blue Jackets or as a mutual parting because his contract was up. Uh, Torts has been here twice before. Uh, They had success under John Tortorella, uh, going to the conference finals in 2012, um, a perennial playoff team under him. And the reason he was let go after the 2013 season was because at least a lot of speculation that didn't see eye to eye with Henrik Lundqvist, who was a major leader of the team. Uh, So there's a lot of pros in Tortorella coming back. He always makes things very interesting. That's always good for hockey in New York. Now, there are some cons, obviously, because he does get under the skin of star players. Just ask uh, Patrick Laine how it went in Columbus when he was traded there and almost immediately benched. Laine uh, talking about how he just like he needs a break from hockey during this offseason. So he can definitely drive you crazy. Talk to Marion Gabrick when he was here with the Rangers because he was asked to block shots because Tortorella expects a lot from his players and doesn't matter whether you're a star or not that you're expected to play by his rules is that something Panarin and Zabanajad would thrive on or is it something would drive them crazy matter of fact there was um, reports from Larry Brooks that some of the top players on the Rangers weren't particularly happy with the way David Quinn utilized them so these are outspoken players will they like uh, John Tortorella but I will tell you He will get the Rangers moving in the right direction, that's for sure, and he would probably rub a lot of guys the wrong way, and he would probably have a very short shelf life, but it's clear the Rangers want to accelerate this rebuild. They feel like they're moving in the right direction, and to bring somebody that knows the lay of the land and has won a Stanley Cup and had success with the Rangers, had you know the greatest success that Columbus has ever had. He got him out of the first round of the playoffs, that big upset win over the Tampa Bay Lightning a couple of years ago. He's the winningest coach in Blue Jackets history. Again, that's not saying much. They don't have much of a history in the league for only 20 years, but there was success. He was able to do things that you know Ken Hitchcock wasn't able to do in Columbus, so he's had success. His only real failure was in Vancouver immediately after being let go by the Rangers. And I remember talking to him on the air, telling him to be careful because they had vented the sport up there and they're probably not going to take kindly to his way of doing things. And that was exactly the case. And the big brawl with the Calgary Flame coaching staff. And there was a lot of things that went in there. But I do think there's been a change in Tortorella in recent years. He is still you know, prickly. He's still tough to deal with with the media. But I do think that experience in Vancouver lightened the load a little bit. I didn't see the same type of coach in Columbus that I saw in Tampa and New York before he went to Vancouver. 
So I do think that it will work here if that's the direction they want to go in. So the positives are he is one. The positives are he will hold players accountable. Uh, The negative is that sometimes holding those players accountable can get them very upset. But I think if you're winning games, I think all that goes aside. And that's eventually what ends up leading to Tortorella's dismissal is then when you don't win, then the players speak out. And that's what happened with Hank in 2013. They got bounced early from the playoffs. If you remember in the second round against Boston, and uh, the feeling was they weren't heading in the right direction, and then players spoke up and he was gone. And then the very next year, Elaine Vigneault comes in, and they go to the Stanley Cup Finals. So would Tortorella have been able to do that? I don't know. AV just seemed to be the perfect remedy for the the years they had Tortorella, but a lot of success when he was here, and the relationship he has with Jim Dolan, to me, says that that's who's going to be the next head coach. But the negative is it's not going to be a 10-year plan here. It never is with John. Uh, He will be uh, uh, somebody that will be contentious with the media. He will be somebody that will drive some of the players crazy. Um, but hey, that just goes with the territory. I think the positives way outweigh the negatives here. And if you're looking for reading the tea leaves moment, Benoit Lair uh, is the only assistant coach that survived the firings. And I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that he's, first of all, a tremendous goaltending coach, and they'd be crazy to let him go. And if it is going to be John Tortorella, he'd be perfectly happy with that. Benoit was here under Torts, and Torts has always had a very contentious relationships with uh, goaltenders. So to have a coach that can focus on Shesterkin, Georgiev, Kincaid, whoever ends up staying here uh, beyond uh, this upcoming season, uh, we'll be able to have that relationship with Olaire and kind of keep him away from uh, Tortorella because Tortorella does not suffer goaltenders. That's the one thing about him. So, hey, listen, David Quinn, I thought, did a terrific job here. I do. And I've defended him for the three years that he's been here. I know there are a lot of Ranger fans listening to this podcast that are very happy today that he's gone. But let me just tell you this. Uh, the Rangers were a mess after A.V. left. Uh it was over with AV and immediately the next year you just saw a different team a more spirited team and they finished under 500 and rightly so because they were in the midst of this rebuild that's when the letter was sent out uh the next year they finished um uh, much stronger and I don't think they would have made the playoffs but those final 10 games before the pandemic they would have been right there playing some tremendous hockey um, obviously, people soured on Quinn getting swept by Carolina. But now you look at the Hurricanes and you say, well, you know, the Hurricanes are in a much different place than the Rangers were in that bubble in Toronto, right? I mean, the Hurricanes, I don't think anybody would be surprised, made a run to the Stanley Cup this year. They're going to win the President's Trophy. I mean, that's how good this team or at least contention to do that. So maybe that loss to Carolina wasn't as epic as we thought it was. Because going in, it was all oh, they own the Hurricanes and all that. Well, you know what? The Hurricanes got it right. And, and Rod Brindamore is going to be up for Coach of the Year. And the Hurricanes are going to compete for a Stanley Cup. And the Rangers are still significantly away from that stage. And I think that showed in the bubble. And then this year, again, a 56-game schedule, having to play the same teams over and over again. And, and the one thing I don't want to hear is, oh, well, that, that's not a tough division. They got to play the Devils eight times. They got to play the Sabres eight times. Okay fine but Philadelphia for much of the year was a contender they kind of drifted off at the end of the season but certainly weren't a patsy and then you're you're talking about four teams that all could very easily win the cup in Pittsburgh Washington Boston and the New York Islanders and having to play them eight times so 
I don't think that these are that this is a complete work of three seasons. I mean, only one of the three seasons that David Quinn was the coach did he get a full eighty-two game schedule. Okay, and then you're in the midst of a rebuild, and you've got the youngest team in the National Hockey League. And I think he did the best he could under the circumstances. And I think I wish him well. I don't know if he's going to go back to college. I don't know if he's going to try to stick around in the pros. But I think he definitely deserves a look from an organization. So good luck to him moving forward. All right. Now we've got what is a very, very surreal week of hockey here. Because it feels like that these games that are being played right now don't mean a lot. I mean, last night you had Washington and Boston. Turned out to be a great game, right? Raffle scores late. Washington wins, but just about everybody was a healthy scratch for Boston. No Bergeron. Uh, they had no Marchand. I mean, they, they rested everybody uh, in that game against Washington because they're already locked in. I mean, the, 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 everything is locked in in the East, so they're just kind of going through the motions there. But I thought it was a competitive game and a fun game. Uh, Winnipeg wins, so they lock up the three. There was a possibility if the Jets were to lose the rest of their games, and certainly the way they were playing, it was definitely on the table that Montreal could move up to three and the Jets settle for the four seed, but their 5 nothing whitewashing of the Canucks settles that. So everything is now locked up in the north, which is interesting because it's the north that is keeping this schedule going because there's still, what, four more games Vancouver has to play. So we're actually going to start the playoffs on Saturday with the night game between Boston and Washington and still have an afternoon game between the Canucks and the Oilers to finish out the schedule. And it's interesting because Connor McDavid adding to his point total and Vancouver's got to finish up the schedule because that's what you do, right? You finish up the schedule and you got to do all that to try to figure out what the draft order is going to be and how much things are going to be weighed as far as the ping pong balls are concerned for the lottery. So you got to finish it out, but it's just still very strange. But there is still one position that's up for grabs that makes things interesting, at least tonight. Okay. You can forget about Oilers, Canadians, you forget about Leafs, Senators, and all that. But the Vegas Golden Knights and San Jose to take on the Sharks and the Avalanche home for the Kings. Significant because first place is still up for grabs in the West. So right now, Vegas is in first place with 80 points, but they've got 29 row wins to Colorado's 33. So all Colorado has to do is tie Vegas to win the division. So they're two points back, Colorado, from Vegas, and they have a game in hand. Vegas will finish up their season tonight in San Jose. So they can get to 82 points, and that's as far as they can go. Colorado's got the two games left tonight. They will play the game in at home against the Los Angeles Kings, 9 o'clock, and then they'll play the Kings again tomorrow at 9 o'clock. So Avalanche control their own destiny. Win those two games, they will win the West. And why is that significant? Because it's the difference between taking on a St. Louis team that's got 59 points right now with the two games left and Minnesota, who's got 75 points with two games left. So... Uh, Listen, St. Louis is no pushover. This is a team that recently won a Stanley Cup, but they have not been the same team this year. Minus nine goal differential, under 500 at home, and they're 6-1-3 in their last 10 just to be able to get to the 59 points. So winning the division, I'd rather play St. Louis than Minnesota. I don't know if you're going to kill yourself to do that, but that's still up for grabs there. So all 16 teams are in. The only thing left positioning-wise is Vegas and Colorado. So there are some meaningful games tonight and possibly tomorrow 
with the avalanche and the kings playing that will mean something for seeding. Uh, and then you're playing out the string with Vegas, with the Vancouver and Calgary just finishing out the schedule there. And I do think it's important to do that, not just for the draft, but also let these players continue to play. So three more games, uh, excuse me, four more games for Calgary, uh, five more games for Vancouver. Uh, and they're just drifting uh, away here as they've lost eight of their last ten. But, you know, the games still have to be played. I don't know what um, is going to happen with Edmonton. Uh, they played Montreal the other night. Incredible game. Uh, two more points for Connor McDavid, including the game winner in overtime. I think you want to try to accumulate points. Uh, but at this stage, he's already got the 102, which is amazing. Does he play in these final two games when Edmonton has already locked up the two seed in the north? Do you want to take a chance on having the best player in hockey getting hurt in meaningless games? I don't know. I, I Selfishly, I want to see the guy play, but I can understand it if they hold him out. So things are locked up in the north. Toronto and Montreal are going to play in the first round. First time these two teams will meet in the postseason since 1979. Incredible, right? Think of the players that were involved in that series, right? Uh, uh, Sittler with Toronto, and then you look at Montreal with all the great players that they had back in 79 with LaFleur and Lemaire and Ken Dryden, and uh, that's a team that won the Stanley Cup against the Rangers uh, in the final. So um, not quite that level, but uh, certainly really, really good uh, matchup. And I think Edmonton and Winnipeg will be terrific as well. Uh, Edmonton, uh, Winnipeg is just you know one last night, but they are really sputtering. And Edmonton has won seven of their last ten, so that should be a, a fun, fun series. Central is wrapped up as well. Um, everybody has already played their fifty-six games. So Carolina versus Nashville—that's got like a country hardball feel to it. Uh, and then the Tampa, Florida series. Everybody's been anticipating. First time these two teams will face each other uh, in the postseason. And the shame of this one is—is is these two teams can legitimately say that they're cup contenders florida's won six in a row tampa's lost three in a row but do we even grade tampa at this point when they've got stamkos and kucherov coming back it's a shame that one of those two teams is going to be out in the first round so we're set up there and we're set up in the east pittsburgh and the islanders again that's a great matchup for the islanders so pittsburgh's won the division congratulations to them mike sullivan's going to get major consideration for the uh jack adams trophy for coach of the year crosby's going to get consideration for the heart uh but i i love the islanders matchup against pittsburgh i wouldn't love it against washington but i love it against pittsburgh and washington boston should be good as well so both those series are great and now we're just going to wait and see whether it is going to be Vegas and St. Louis or Colorado and St. Louis. So everything's still up for grabs. That's why the games tonight and possibly tomorrow uh, could be very important for that. So on Friday, we'll know for sure what the matchups are, and we will give you our predictions, and we'll give you our top five of the week to conclude the regular season and all that coming up on Friday. Also, the Bracket Challenge returns on Friday. That's right. We did it a couple of years ago, and we're going to set something up cool. All right, we're going to have a Bracket Challenge for everybody that listens to Game Misconduct, and we'll have a prize for whoever wins, okay? And we will announce all that stuff coming up on Friday. So we're going to tell you how you can participate in it. It's completely free of charge. We, Like I said, did it a couple of years ago. It was a rousing success. We gave away a, a jersey. We're going to talk about what we're going to give away and give you all the details on the um, bracket challenge coming up on Friday. So you have to listen to Game Misconduct coming up on Friday. That's going to be very, very important. So let's close it out with your tweets here on a Wednesday. And let's hear from you. Ozzy says, 
Uh, don't know exactly where the dismissal came from, but this type of melding gives me scary vibes of Buffalo-style ownership. Of course, he's talking about the Rangers. Listen, things are always a little interesting with Jim Dolan, right? But these things happened, but don't do not make it seem like it's complete chaos. Chris Drury has earned this position, okay? You've got a Hall of Famer in Glenn Sather that is observing everything, and they're going to bring in a coach that's going to have a pedigree. If it's not Tortorella, it's going to be somebody else, all right, that, that you're you're going to know and be able to sink your teeth into. So, listen, Buffalo's a mess right now. They've got their star player. That uh, Does he want to get traded? Does he not want to get traded? How many different coaches there? Do not describe the Rangers situation anywhere close to Buffalo because this Rangers team is still close. I understand your frustration. I'm frustrated, too. I thought Jeff Gordon did a great job. I thought JD deserved better, but I, I still think they're in capable hands with Chris Drury, and I would be on board with the Tortorella hiring if that happens. Uh, David says, with Torts, Quinn, and Rick Tockett out of their jobs, where do you see them ending up? An already established team that's in need of a new coach or possible candidates for the Kraken job? I gotta believe that if I'm if I am the Seattle Kraken, why wouldn't I hire Gerard Gallant? I mean, he had just went through the experience with Vegas and had success. So that, to me, that just seems like a, a, an obvious place to go. If, if I'm Seattle, if, I, if I'm uh, Ron Francis, that's where I would go. Um, so when you look at Quinn, three years NHL experience, uh, one year as an assistant in Colorado, college coach, I'm not sure. Um David knew what he was signing up for when he joined the Rangers. He's been a college guy for most of his career. I think he'll have options, but tough to say where he'll exactly land. Rick Tockett, the same thing. you know. Um, so he had some success, obviously, in Arizona. He's been an assistant coach. Uh, we'll have to wait and see as far as like the vacancies are concerned. What, what happens with Travis Green in Vancouver, right? Um, does he get the blame for everything that happened to them with the pandemic? But I could also tell you that even before the pandemic, didn't look like Vancouver was long to make the playoffs. You know, do they end up making a move? But I, I have to think that of the guys, you know, that the Gallant's going to end up there. I, I think Torts is going to end up with the Rangers. So I think that answers your question there. Sam Diaz says, why wasn't Jacques Martin spared? Understand a new coach would want his own staff, but with the imp- um, improvement of their five on five and penalty kill defense, maybe they could have kept Martin in some role. Listen. Benoit Allaire was kept because Benoit Allaire, he comes, he comes with the house. It's like you buy a house with the furniture. Benoit Allaire is just too good. He wasn't going to get let, let go. But from, from a bench perspective, Benoit Allaire does not spend time on the bench. Goaltending coaches do not usually do that. But I think the new coach deserves to bring in his own guys. So I, it's not about did Jacques Martin do a good job or not. It's about I want my coach to bring in his own people. And I'm not going to make a coach inherit somebody from a previous regime. So I don't think you judge this on Jacques Martin got fired because he didn't do a good job. Jacques Martin got fired because whoever was going to come in was probably going to let him go anyway and bring in his own people. But believe me, Jacques Martin deserves a look as a head coach as well. He had success in Ottawa. He's been a very, very good coach in this league. So he will land on his feet. There's no question. Um, Tony says, with Freddie Anderson off the injured list, who would start the playoffs for the Leafs? I would ride with Jack Campbell and have Anderson as the backup. Thoughts? Well, here, here's 
Here's that age-old question, right, that Washington had to go through a couple of years ago. Do I go with the experienced guy or do I go with the hot guy with no experience? So Campbell's been terrific this year. Um, I would probably ride him with the understanding that any kind of hiccup, Anderson comes in. I, I think eventually Anderson is going to be the guy because we saw that with the Holpe situation in Washington a couple of years ago, right? Um, I think you're going to see Campbell start, and then if there's any kind of problem, any kind of issue, Anderson's going to come in. This is not a team that has relied on its goaltending because they're so good offensively, right? And I think in the first couple of rounds, it's not going to matter because I think they will make short work of Montreal, and I don't think that they're going to be shaking in their boots for Edmonton or Winnipeg either. Where it's really going to come down for Toronto to make the cup is when they get out of the north, and they start having to look at teams that with a ton of postseason experience. You know, what if you face Washington? What if you face Boston? The Islanders, where the goals aren't going to be coming quick. You know, the Islanders are a really interesting matchup for Toronto, right? Because I don't care how good an offensive team you are, you're not putting up a five-six spot against the Islanders. You're just not. So you're going to have to just make sure your goaltending keeps it tight. Um, and then, but it'd be a matchup with a team like Colorado. Maybe it ends up being wide open. So they may not need the goaltending to be spectacular until they get to that matchup where they're going to be going up against a team that's really going to take the goals away. So it really depends on how it goes, but at least for the first couple of rounds, probably not as big an issue. Uh, Dave B says, with Quinn out at the helm with the Rangers, could you see Torts reunion? I can. Um, Tommy says, I saw that the Islanders pulled their goalie versus Pittsburgh in a tie game because they needed a regulation win. If Pitt had scored on the empty net, does the goalie who got pulled still get the loss? Well, somebody's got to get the loss, right? So he's the goalie of record, and it would be a shame because he didn't actually give up the goal. But the loss has to go somewhere, so it would end up going to him. Uh, Kyle says, do you see any chance of Davidson or Gordon joining the Sharks next season? Very interesting. Well, we'll see what changes the Sharks make. Here's the interesting thing about J.D. J.D. had built up for this opportunity to be the president of the Rangers. Uh, And he worked his tail off going through St. Louis and Columbus to get there. That's why I feel so devastated for J.D., um, I think he'll land on his feet, but where is just very interesting. Gordon, definitely. You know, give him a lot of credit for where Boston is. I mean, he's the guy that brought in Zidane Ochara. He drafted a lot of those players in Boston. Um, so you know he's going to get a job somewhere, no question. And if the Sharks decide to blow it up, because the Sharks are really interesting to me, because I think that's a pretty good hockey team that's got some talented players, right? Um, if with, with the right buttons being pushed there, I can see the Shark team you know, making the climb. Because when the divisions all go back to normal, why can't the Sharks feel like they can't compete in that uh, in that division, in that Pacific division? So, you know, because the Kings look like they're in, still in the midst of their rebuild. The Ducks are in a full-blown uh, rebuild as well. You know, I'll be interested to see where where, where Calgary is, is headed, where Edmonton's headed long-term. So I, I think the Sharks feel like they're in the mix if you got the right push, the right guy pushing the right buttons there. All right, this was fun. Um, so we'll... Talk on Friday. Again, here's the lay of the land. We're going to go back to the bracket challenge. We're going to tweet out all the information that you need. We're going to talk about it, and we're going to come up with a prize for the winner. Uh, We did it a couple of years ago, and we didn't do it last year because we didn't have a game misconduct because of the pandemic, and it was great. We ended up giving away an authentic jersey of your favorite team, and somebody actually won it in Vancouver, which was a pretty cool thing. So they got a, a, a beautiful um authentic um Vancouver Canucks jersey we may do the same thing I'm going to think about it something fun 
And uh, we had thousands of people, too, which was great. You guys really came on board. So we'll tell you how to do that on Friday. Uh, thanks for Anthony Pusick to get that set up for us. So we'll give you all the details coming up Friday. We'll do our final top five of the year on Friday as well. And we will know all of the playoff matchups. The West matchups will be set you know they could be set tonight they definitely will be set at the end of thursday so when we go into friday we'll have the matchups i'll give you my predictions i want to hear your predictions and again you can always get in touch with me anytime you like at don lagreca hashtag game misconduct we'll talk to you again on friday this was the wednesday edition of game misconduct this is the game misconduct podcast with don lagreca